Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Welcome to another New Thinking Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ann Johnson, who is an Assistant District Attorney with the Harris County District Attorney's Office in Texas, and she is also the Human Trafficking Section Chief of that office. And for those uh, who may not realize, Harris County is where Houston is located, very large county. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Johnson, for joining me today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to speak with you on behalf of District Attorney Devin Anderson and the other folks that are working tirelessly to combat human trafficking in the Houston area. And you're here today and tomorrow to observe what goes on here in New York at some courts that are also working to address human trafficking. Yes, we are very fortunate that our safe court team, um, which is a prostitution diversion court, our defense attorney, our probation officer, our judges, and our research partner, and I myself have been able to come up and visit two of your companion courts um, to be able to work with our peers and exchange ideas and see about the innovations that are taking place here locally. Well, as I said when I introduced you, you are the section chief for the human trafficking division in your office, and you do have a, a robust program going on there as well, and I wanted to talk to you about that. In particular, I thought we could focus on what you guys are calling the SAFE Court, which I understand stands for Survivors Acquiring Freedom and Empowerment Court. I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about how that court got started and what its goals are. So the vision for this court actually started um, about four years ago when then-District Attorney Mike Anderson um, hired me to come in as a human trafficking specialist. I had been with the DA's office. Um, I had left for health reasons, and I was actually doing juvenile defense work and began representing children who were charged with prostitution. And through the course of that time in private practice, um, not only did we challenge a case of an individual charged with prostitution, of which the Texas Supreme Court ruled in the case of NRABW that children are the victims of child prostitution, not the offenders. Um, but myself and uh, District Attorney Devin Anderson were actually the two founding defense members of a court called Girls Court, which is for growing independence and restoring lives, which assist children at risk of human trafficking who are in our juvenile justice system between the ages of 10 and 17. And so with this background, I came back to the DA's office in February of 2013, and the commitment at that time was just recognizing that Houston was well known as a hub of human trafficking, and uh, District Attorney Anderson had this vision to see how we could best combat the issue and re-energize our focus within the DA's office. And so at the time, we began looking at cases of individuals charged with prostitution because we knew from the Texas Human Trafficking Prevention Task Force report that the State Department was estimating that we identify about 0.04% of victims in existence. And so we knew that we had hundreds of people being charged with the offense of prostitution, and the commitment was to start with the new vision from the legislature, which was that now in Texas, if you are a victim of human trafficking, it's a defense to prosecution for prostitution. And so our office has taken this commitment that that's a defense that we value and want to assist the defense bar in identifying. And so we began this uh, new procedure of reaching out to the defense bar 
talking with individuals who were charged with prostitution and helping them identify and disclose a human trafficking defense. Uh, We're very proud of those efforts. But what we saw is we began to see a population of young offenders who did not technically have that defense, yet they got into the game when they were 13 or 14. They don't have high school diplomas. Um, At this point, they're of an age where they're willing but not reaching the level of force, threat, fraud, or coercion. Um, And so we saw a very vulnerable population that legally we were able to prosecute, um, but inherently we wanted to do something more. And so District Attorney Devin Anderson sought the Smart Prosecution Grant with the vision of being of us targeting this population between 17 and 25, charged with prostitution, with the companion being that we would be evaluated by Sam Houston State University and have a research component to see if we could come up with a way to divert these folks out of the life. And just to clarify, the SMART prosecution grant comes through the Department of Justice, Bureau of Justice Assistance. Correct. And so we were one of the um, original recipients of that grant. We're very honored to be part of that initial SMART suite prosecution and glad that we could um, create and comply with the Department of Justice in trying to combat the issue of the vulnerability of human trafficking for people that are caught in the criminal justice system. And also to clarify, you had said the statute had changed. So the the other cohort of people you were talking about, if they do have a defense of human trafficking, their cases, what happens then? They're dismissed? They're dismissed. And so um, the legislature in Texas, and people always say, um, because the case of BW was a case of first impression, and they say, really? All these reforms are coming out of Texas? And I say, absolutely. Um, These reforms have come from the Texas Supreme Court. Um, The legislature has given us incredible tools, and District Attorney Devin Anderson has been very committed to this process of leading uh, this charge um, to not only identify victims, but to better prosecute pimps and exploiters such as John's and the demand side. And so that's what we've been doing in the office um, for the last uh, almost four years um, to combat this issue of human trafficking. But if they are technically a victim of human trafficking, we dismiss their case. Um, They're no longer in the criminal justice system, and we are dependent on those private-public partnerships um, that can provide services. But where they legally can be prosecuted, we are still offering them the diversion of working through the court process or working through a pretrial diversion contract with our office so that ultimately their case is being dismissed. And that is that what the safe court is? That's what safe court is, and that's what we do with other populations. Um, our district attorney, Devin Anderson, has expanded these efforts beyond this age requirement of 17 to 25. And she says, and her leadership is, that arrest as recovery, not as conviction. And so she has a vision to make sure that we are assisting this population that may be charged as defendants who have an underlying vulnerability who need our help to get out of the game. Um, That's important because it not only helps the individual and stops that revolving door in criminal justice, that is not only costly to the person, um, but it's costly to the community. And so by doing this, we are not only helping people, but we're helping community safety in general. And how do you help them? What services are you offering them? So when those are in our system or with uh, our contract or in safe court, um, the assistance is provided for mental health services or drug treatment services. And so we work with the Harris County Probation Department 
They work with our private partnerships, um, which we are very fortunate to have a number of key partners, such as the Houston Area Women's Center and The Bridge and other organizations that many other communities might find already assisting domestic violence population, but basically where you see other service providers who are helping those who are vulnerable in the community, that's a key partnership that your court can set up and establish with. And do you mandate their participation? Is that how the court works? Yes. And so by being in the court, and I'll tell you when we started, a lot of people looked at us and said, you guys are nuts. Why in the world would somebody sign up for a program or they're going to have to do basically a year-long probation um, when they could take time served and just take their conviction and go about their so, business. So it's voluntary. You offer it's, them, you say you could get a conviction, or you could do follow this mandate, and it'll consist of this in your case. And if you do it, the charges will be dropped, but it's more work. Correct. And so we work with the defense bar, and that's an important um, key component, is the buy-in from both the prosecutor and the defense attorney. And we give them the option. Sure, you you have the path within the criminal justice system to have a conviction and go on about your business, but you have this new path, which it's going to be a harder walk, but the vision is that once you make that walk within a year, your case is dismissed, you can seek an expunction, um, and not only is it like this never happened, but you have the tools that are provided to help you with those basic necessities of shelter, of education, of drug treatment. And so people didn't think we'd have people sign up. Um, but in the first year, we had um, many more than we thought we'd have. And in fact, we've had 43 so far in the court when we promised that we would have 20 in the first year. We had such an outpouring of requests from defendants who wanted to become clients of Safe Court that our district attorney expanded the program to allow for this alternative pretrial diversion. And so Harris County is in a position that if somebody wants help from our office, District Attorney Devin Anderson has said, we're going to find a way to give it to you. Um, That is a new vision um, that we are finding is allowing people the ability to get on with their lives. Um, We recently had um, a graduation, and we have graduations where um, we reward people and say, we're glad that you've made it out of this program. And our defense attorney who works on the court was at a local restaurant um, getting lunch and all of a sudden heard her name. And so she turned back, and sure enough, it was one of the clients and one of the graduates. And, of course, this individual is is thriving and doing well, and her children are doing well, and she has been able to put building blocks in place to be incredibly successful. Those are the kinds of stories that keep us going, and those are the kinds of stories that we hope we can expand to a new population who, in the old days, were being convicted for an offense of which now we recognize there's a vulnerability that we need to um, help assist with. So it sounds like you're basically not only part of this movement that's redefining Mm -hmm. what a charge of prostitution means from someone who is um, a defendant to someone who is more like a victim, and you're also kind of redefining the role of a prosecutor Mm -hmm. because you're trying to help people not get people who, in theory, have met the definition of a crime, and could you could technically, and you do charge them in some cases, but you're trying to help them not have a permanent conviction on their record. So that's a very different attitude, some might say, for a prosecutor to take. 
it is a different attitude, and we are proud of the fact that it is working. When we came back, and I was in a specialist position back in 2013, you, you had more than 2,000 individuals that were prosecuted or charged with the offense of prostitution. And at the time, you had some 56, um, I'd call them pimps, or people that are charged with promoting or compelling individuals into prostitution. And so the district attorney's vision has been that we do this three-prong approach of identifying victims, getting them out of the system, and um, prosecuting pimps, exploiters who are receiving money, and those who are the demand or the buyers. And so we've had another very important shift, which is the legislature gave us the tool last session and redefined the offense of prostitution. So people would ask us, how many sellers and how many buyers are you prosecuting? But under the law, they were defined in the same way. So we didn't have the ability to track that. And I mean, we everyone were, was charged with Everyone was charged with prostitution. Whether you whether, were selling or buying. Correct. And so we didn't have the distinction in Texas yet. And so last session, we've had great leadership from Houston with Representative Thompson and uh, Senator Whitmires and uh, Senator Huffman, who have led the charge on human trafficking efforts and have given us this tool to say, okay, let's redefine these individuals. And so what we saw last year, once the law changed, we had 90 people who were charged as buyers. So far this year, law enforcement has really kicked in their efforts to try to go after that demand, and we've been very fortunate to have great connections with the Houston Police Department and the Harris County Sheriff's Department, who have upped um, the investigation side on demand. And this year, as of August 30th, we had 644 cases against John to the demand. And so that's a critical shift and a critical component, which helps us further balance out the interest between those that are being sold those that are buying, and those individuals who are engaged in the offense of pimping. And so we also have a wide variety of tools where we can charge individuals, and we most often charge, which people don't realize, Texas has gotten this right since the 70s, and Texas had a statute of compelling prostitution of a minor on the book since 1973, um, and it's a law that has been there to be utilized, and we most often charge under that offense or that crime because it's got good case law and it's a good provision that protects individuals from being um, compelled into prostitution, whether you're a minor or an adult. And so we also have other ranges of aggravated promotion or promotion of prostitution. And so far this year, as of August 30th, we had 101 individuals that we had charged with promotion or pimping. And so we've seen a steady decline over the, or a steady decline over the last four years of sellers and an increase every year of um, cases against um, pimps, promoters for various levels of offenses, and now buyers, which we can track. It has also meant that we have increased the commitment of prosecution. And so our office is not just a, a specialist, but now I'm the human trafficking section chief. Um, we have wonderful um, district attorneys that work with us from our felony-grade prosecutors of Anna Martinez and Chelsea Honeycutt um, to our misdemeanor prosecutors that we have working on the demand side and with our overflow population. So we now have five prosecutors, an investigator, and a paralegal, um, and many of us are on call 24-7 for law enforcement. And you mentioned, you know, an important component of the SMART prosecution grant is that there's a research component that's the SMART and the, yeah. you know, that's what makes it SMART, I guess, right. is trying to find out what works and what doesn't. And I wonder if there's anything you can share with me about the research partner, Dr. Lisa Muftik, and what she has found so far. I know her reports haven't been right. finalized yet, but I just wonder if there's anything you could share as far as what you've learned about you know, how the program's going. 
So the district attorney's office has attempted many reforms, and there is a key component of recognizing that data is critical. And so we as individuals have all of these stories of people that we work with and like the circumstance of the individual in the restaurant who's doing very well. And so we hear those things, but then we have to look and say, okay, but what are our numbers? What's the big picture? And so we are very fortunate that Dr. Muftik is evaluating our data, looking at the information and also evaluating us and saying, are we doing well and where do we need to evolve? And the entire team has been open to doing that. And so far, we have had people stay on track for our four-phase graduation. Of course, we've had people that have not made it, that we've had to evolve and work with and try to figure out how to best assist them. But since we've had this overflow population, because we've had so much interest, we've been able to provide an an alternate pretrial diversion where they're not getting the same level of assistance. For example, they're not getting the um, monthly interaction with the judge and they're not getting that monthly interaction with our probation officer and our defense attorney who are dedicated to safe court. And so, so far, what Dr. Muftik has found is that the population that's in safe court is recidivating at about a third. That overflow population who's not getting the intensive services but at the same high risk level is recidivating at about half. And so she tells me that that's a statistically important distinction Um, And so we do know which recidivism rates are something important that people want to see. Are you successful? And so that's a good indication of where we're going. But more importantly, the individual contacts that we're having with the individuals is we see people that are coming back to the court. We also have people who are in the court who develop a trust level with the team and then disclose levels of human trafficking. And so when that happens at that point, we dismiss and divert them out. But we're very proud of what we've been able to provide with regard to the trust and relationships between our team and the clients um, and being able to give them a path in the future to say, hey, I need help. And so we measure success on many levels. So it sounds like the fact that it's been such a I guess a popular option that people have been choosing when given that opportunity has allowed you to enhance the quality of your research because the original, as you explained before, you can accommodate 27 people actually in the safe court. So that overflow is getting not quite as an intensive services and you can see that there is in fact a different long-term result in terms of recidivism. The recidivism is higher for people who aren't getting the same intensity as the safe court participants. Not just that, but the change in approach. So, for example, in the first year when we started the grant, we worked with the defense bar and let them know we as the DA's office wanted to reach out to their defendant and um, see if they were an option. And so in the first year alone, we had 887 people who were potentially eligible for the court. And so by working with the defense bar and saying, hey, may I assist you with your client? May I help you talk to them? It opened the door to the client reaching out to us who, you know, normally we know that this population is vulnerable, that they haven't had the best interaction with authorities, um, that they may have had prior experiences through Children's Protective Services or bad experiences where they've been taken out of their home or put in foster care or, or their parents have been incarcerated. And so that's usually kind of a turnoff to the system. And so by being able to have that connection with the defense attorney to open the door to the conversation, each year we've increased the identification of human trafficking victims. And so 
last year, or not, not last year, but this year, to that date of August 30th, even though we had a thousand, some, a thousand, some 1,000 individuals charged with selling, we were able to reach out to them and so far had identified 264 victims. So that's a significant increase over what the State Department suggests we're doing in the normal process. So we know that this modification in prosecutor procedure is allowing victims to not be prosecuted. And we are equally as proud of that and the fact that we are able to dismiss a case and not convict an individual. And so uh, justice takes many forms. And so we're proud that we've been able to identify that and lead that charge within Harris County. And did they just say, I'm a human trafficking victim, no. or what's the threshold? Yeah, so so this is, uh, I think, an interesting dilemma for many counties. Uh, one, because of what we've been able to do in Harris County, we are often asked to speak with other individuals. And so I'll go to these meetings where it'll be statewide, and people will say, oh, yeah, you guys in Houston, you have this issue, but we don't have this issue. And I'll always say, well, do you have prostitution? And they'll say, yeah, well, we have prostitution. And my response is, if you have prostitution, you, you have human trafficking. It's just a function of the type of commercial um, enterprise that you've got to have some level of exploitation for individuals. And so I'll have people that will say, um, my client's not a victim of human trafficking. And I'll say, well, how do you know? And they'll say, I asked, are you a victim of human trafficking? And they'll say no. And there are many reasons they may say no. They may say no because they know that they can't disclose that information because their pimp has told them that they can't. But they may also say no because they see the same public awareness that we do, which is usually the idea of a human trafficking victim is an international child who's being held in bondage. And they think, well, that's not me. I'm 22 and I have a college degree uh, and surely I'm not a human trafficking victim. So when we conduct our interviews, we are asking questions, not that straightforward of, are you a human trafficking victim? But we ask other questions that we know when they answer and they disclose levels of force, threat, fraud, and coercion, that they don't realize that's what's happening. We then identify them as human trafficking victims. We also have the circumstance where, you know, the word can get out on the street and say, hey, just tell them you're a human trafficking victim and your case will get dismissed. We know that that happens as well. So when we conduct our interviews, we're not just getting the information but we work to corroborate the information and we find independent sources um, that corroborate what the individual is telling us um, as opposed to just having someone tell us a version of events. And so we work very hard to identify not only based on what the individual is telling us but other secondary information that corroborates the validity behind that. Sounds like you're doing amazing work and cutting-edge work. I've been speaking with Ann Johnson, who is an assistant district attorney in the Harris County District Attorney's Office. She is also the section chief of uh, human trafficking there, uh, and that's where they have developed this amazing model called the uh, Safe Court, Survivors Acquiring Freedom and Empowerment. If you want to find out more about the Safe Court, you can visit the Association for Prosecuting attorneys website which is working with them on the smart prosecution grant as well as the Center for Court Innovations website www.courtinnovation.org and I'm sure they can also visit your website which is actually we uh, um, we are still working on our websites but for those counties that are wanting to do this or looking for it the key partnership is the judge
and we are very fortunate to have um, Judge Pam Derbyshire and Justice Bill Boyce who have taken this on. Judges are the key. And as Dr. Muftik would say in the surveys that we do with our clients, everybody loves the judge. And that's an important component. Um, so judges have the ability to make this happen. The DA's office is a, a critical component as well. But there are many judges out there um, that could start this initiative, and they're kind of the tip of the spear to be able to combat the issue and treat individuals in this way. So there are some inspiring words there, judges. So thank you again for uh, taking you. the time to talk, talk with me. Thank you. And I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Thank you for listening.